Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 297 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and joining me in the orange sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Aid Levice, that's Ben Moss Woodward. I am very upset. I've been throwing myself at Norman all night long and he's still not taken me. We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Hello. Um, also joining us, of course, we have our DIC's Mac Winston. Hello. Hello. And we're also joined by um, Atris again, as from last week. Hello. Hello. No. Um, we're not flying around the game today. Uh, there's technical issues that we've had uh, throwing things um, to to Twitch and so on. Um, but we are broadcasting uh, to Twitch. Uh, so um, you can get to that via leveradio.com slash live and you click on the live chat. Or you just go to twitch.tv slash Live radio. So um, we'll quickly go around the panel, see what they've been up to for the last week. Um, so we'll start with Ben. Uh, I've been I've been back in Minecraft again uh, with the the kids. Um, we wound up actually just well, we're going through a series of free trials on uh, Realms three sixty plus whatever the hell it is, uh, not Mixer obviously. Um, and we're just using that because we were all playing on my son's Xbox and that was failing miserably. Uh, so I was like, well, let's try and move your server onto mine. And I was like, looking into how the hell you actually get a world off of a three, an Xbox One. And it basically said, sign up to Realms and then you can copy your, your Realm from your Xbox to your PC. And I was like, you twats. But anyway, we've, we've, we've worked it out. So I managed to get local copies of his realms. Um, I've also found a brilliant game called, I think it's Project Zomboid or something like that. Uh, it's like 11 quid, and it's an isometric zombie survival game with a very, very rich um, crafting system and zombies. And it, I mean, it looks terrible, but it's, it's also very rich, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And I've been playing that as a spot of co-op with my flatmates. Um, you will die in it, and you will. But one of the lovely things is when you die, your NPC comes back as a zombie. Oh, well, that, that's um, invigorating. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun actually. So that's what's happened to all the NPCs in the league. They've all died, and they've come back looking like They're zombies. All zombies. Works for me. Works for me. Actually, you're probably not far long, wrong looking at the um, character models. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, another thing. Um, oh, I don't know if you saw on the really shitty, very unepic game store, Arx was available for free recently. For and free? Yeah, it was going for free. Huh. So Arx was, go was going for free. Um, and for the first time, I actually went through the character creation process of that. And oh my god, those guys are fugly. Oh, you can create some game, real mutants. Arcs. Yeah, the the game arcs. Not the not, not the frontier. Not frontier arcs. Arc. The game arcs. I, sorry. Yeah. Yes. I, I real. I cannot believe how 
mutant-like those those MP those player characters are. It's ridiculous. Although that might not be a bad idea for Frontier. <laughs> they make Frontier's NPCs look good. Yeah, pay for cosmetic surgery on your NPCs that you can then tune how they look. So I don't know, maybe drinking at a bar and they get a bag over the head and whisk under the knife to make them look better. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, it's impressively terrible. Literally paying for cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mac, how have you been for the last... Well, it's been a while since we had, we've had you on. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, pretty good, really. Um, yeah, uh, still continuing on with Eastern Promise Expedition on my alt. Uh, I have my fleet carrier now, of course, um, along with, it seems like, half the rest of the galaxy, uh, which has been pressed into immediate service as uh, support for our BGS. So, uh, like, the day fleet carriers launched, we had a... Um, we had there, we had like a bug a war with bugs in it, not thargoids. A war with the, the the ones where you go into the conflict zone, and the conflict zone is in a different frame of reference to you, so it zips away at high speed. But we found one conflict zone that worked, so I parked my carrier there, which uh, let my um, squadron mates uh, go them a large pad without having to fly six hundred light seconds out to the. Um, the star so that that was very useful so anyway the carrier is already it's it's now our next our next objective it's parked there although that that one does actually have like that that one it doesn't really need it it's got large stations but i it's got my fleet on it so i might as well take it to where the battle is so yep yeah, uh, been having fun with the fleet carriers I, I spent some of my my accumulated arcs on on gussying up my fleet carrier so it's got a nautilus ship kit and a paint job and i found a very imperial sounding atc so i uh, i've changed to that so yeah, I've spent all my arcs on on the carrier. Um, although I noticed we got some new. Well, I think that's the subject. Looking at the show notes, that's the subject later, so I won't dwell on it. But it looks like we got some new paint jobs coming. Um, so perhaps I should have saved some arcs for that. Um, other stuff. Yeah, uh, I've been playing some one versus one StarCraft again, which I haven't for an awful long time because it's hard and it's stressful sometimes because you know you want to win and you don't like losing and. Anyway, so I've been on the, the one versus one ladder again. Uh, I'm only only in sort of mid rank madness league, so like in platinum platinum league, but it's it's a bit of fun. Um, I've been trying to so I don't get ladder anxiety. I've been trying to think, you know, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. I should just concentrate on whatever bit of my game I'm trying to improve. So, but yes, yeah, so I've been I've been back playing StarCraft a bit, um, which is. Which is all all good fun. Um, other stuff. Oh, nearly at the. Uh, Mac. Yes. Oh, Mac, is it StarCraft One or StarCraft Two you're playing? StarCraft Two. Um, StarCraft Two, right? Because I know that's been. Void. Yeah, because that's been it's been put out on it's been re-released StarCraft One. Yeah, the, the the original StarCraft Brood War has been. Yeah. That, that's one thing. I'm. I love Brood War back in the day. I mean, I used to play. I used to play it with my office mm. mate, and we'd always play two v twos, and we 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 we'd really dominate at that because we always we played together all the time, so we knew each other's play styles, etc. So we 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 had a pretty good um, run with that. Um, but the thing of the trouble with the trouble with the remastered 
the, the graphics to me look off. I think Brood War and StarCraft 1 looks amazing at 640 by 480 resolution on a CRT. <laughs> on, scale it up to 4K. You scale it up, but it, you know, even with the refresh graphics, it just because it's pixel art. It's not supposed. StarCraft Two is designed as uh, to be rendered. That's three D models. Yeah, it was designed to be rendered by a three D GPU, whereas StarCraft One wasn't. StarCraft One was designed as pixel art, and there is a certain so anything designed as pixel art generally looks good as pixel art but if you try and you know it's like you know, if, if you got like an old game and you've got a modern lcd and you just let it s- set the resolution to 640 by 480 in your 4k display your 4k display does all this <laughs> interpolation it just looks blurred and horrible yeah. it doesn't it doesn't look like how you'd see it on uh on the original crt it takes something away so i i know it's kind of going on a bit about but you know the, the kind of cosmetics, the graphics of the game rather than the gameplay, but I, I just, and that, that's because the, 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 there's some people that want, there's a guy who I, I watch, I watch from his cast almost every day, usually at lunchtime, um, called Falcon Paladin, who does a, um, like a, he casts a professional game every day or a mid rank game or whatever. And so, so I watch one of the, one of his casts every day. Uh, and he, do, but he does Brood War once as well, but I just can't, it just doesn't look right. Especially once you add the YouTube compression on top of that, it just yeah, it's it's not as good as the original. Seeing the original pixel art on a CRT. Um, the other thing about StarCraft, the, the, there was a there's lots of there's an awful lot of quality like quality of life stuff that came with StarCraft too, like um, the amount of units you can select at once and the amount of control groups you can have. Uh, there's less busy work and more actual concentration on the battles if you sort of mean because like in in starcraft one you create a worker and it won't go and mine minerals automatically it you have to actually click on it and send it to a mineral patch whereas in starcraft 2 you can just rally it at a mineral patch and then you just use your hotkey to create work and off you go and you know there's there's a lot especially in the kind of high fluting world of the you know people talking about pros oh starcraft one's much better because you need to do this that and the other extra which you don't starcraft well the thing is that's not really strategy skill or microing your army um that's just busy work you know so i i like i like that starcraft 2 gets rid of all that busy work and has bigger control groups and all the qil stuff it that it has um so yeah, just I just pre- I just pre- I mean, purists will probably hate it, but um, I just pre- I prefer the um, I prefer the way StarCraft Two works. And there's some, the, I I think also the pro- because of this, I think the pro games are more entertaining as well because it's less about you get you see them do more things to do with strategy and tactics rather than managing their economy and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they, they don't need to have such a ungodly high APM to be competitive but i think it results in if you're watching a game it re- i think it res- results in a something more fun to watch myself but that's just me but yeah um yeah i quite enjoy i, I enjoy starcraft 2 i enjoy starcraft I, I warcraft 2, we used to play warcraft 2 back in the day as well uh if anybody remembers carly which was a it was like a gaming service that would tunnel ipx over the internet so you could play all the games that didn't support 
TCP/IP over the internet, and mm. Warcraft Two has won them. I, if I knew my username and password, I could probably still log in. But because uh, I, I bought the twenty-five dollar lifetime pass, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I used to play that with my office mate as well. We had an unbroken record on the map Hell Pud. We used to love that. It was a weird little map with an island in the middle. But yeah, I'm I'm waffling now. Um, yes, um, of that. Uh, continue on with my just just uh, we're we're at the penultimate episode now of Deutschland eighty three, which is a, uh, a series on Amazon Prime about uh, Germany in nineteen eighty three about East German spy and all around the time of the Able Archer um, NATO exercise, and that's getting quite exciting right now. So we'll probably see the next watch next episode next week. So yeah, I recommend. I highly recommend that series if you're looking for something to watch and you don't mind watching something with subtitles. Anyway, that's my week. Fully packed then. Um, yeah. Hi, Atris. Hello. <laughs> what have you been up to since we last talked to you? Uh, yeah, not a whole lot. I'm. i My my life is not interesting as uh, as Max. Um, game wise, uh, you know, I've been playing a bit of Elite again, uh, doing some. Deep space mining, refueling carriers, which seems to be my new lot in life. Because as we speak, that's exactly what I'm doing again. Um, so you haven't found me very far from what I was doing last week. But at least this time, I finally made it out to Colonia. And I've been helping out Ed's 38, uh, trying to take back Dunker's Rest, which is going all right. Um, but otherwise, out of game, it's just work, really. Um, watched the new series of Rick and Morty on Netflix, which was very disappointing to only find out that only half of it is there. But the good news is it's still as existential as ever, and I love it. Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad there's someone else that, out there that likes Rick and Morty. Mind you, I've never actually seen it yet. I, I'm just a bit overloaded with um, uh, the amount of t-shirts that you see what people walking around, with, around here at the moment. Oh, uh, well... Yeah, it's quite popular. And I guess the other thing noteworthy is uh, I mentioned last week I was doing a bunch of gardening. Uh, well, you know, the garden thankfully is complete for now, but my wife and I have taken to watching gardening programs, competitive gardening programs, which is something I didn't even know existed. Is that like the Bake Off, but out in the garden? Yeah, yeah. So um, where we are, um, so RTE, which is the Irish like version of BBC, has a program called Super Garden which is like essentially that. You have five gardeners who compete against each other. So what do they do? Like, who can cut the lawn the quickest and things? No, it's more like who designs the best-looking garden, and they have all kinds of different things, and then I they thought... have three people come in and kind of judge you accordingly. I thought they'd chase after each other pitchforks. Well, <laughs> Only if you're an old guy. Then again, if it's, if it's in Ireland, is it who can, who can grow the best potatoes? Ooh. <laughs> That is, uh, that was yeah, that was that was a bit naughty, Ben. I mean, I'm sorry. Potato? Do potato lives matter too? Uh, oh, for... oh, no, Ben. I was, I, was, I was expecting you to make kind of some sort of pig catching comment, but I'm Ben Mosswoodwood's views are not representative of Leave Radio <laughs> <laughs> or most decent human beings. But still, <laughs> hey, at least we're not talking about the Welsh. Oh God. Oh, that just had to leak out. Well, actually, oh, all right, hang on a second. Oh, before dear. before we get off of me, there was a really funny incident with Edelweiss and the EDRPG game we have running with Wishblend, mm-hmm. where 
one of our colleagues was from the Isle of Man, and Edelweiss decided to give all his opinions on the Isle of Man. Really about certain genetics. Oh, oh dear. There are benefits to having six fingers and webbed toes. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody (laughs) in the Isle of Man has six fingers or 11 toes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's a lot of people with the same surname, but don't worry, the gene pool is plenty deep, except in Foxdale. I love uh, how there's Fox- always one exception. Foxdale is where, um, anyway, the, the definition of a leisure centre in Foxdale is a sheep tied to a stick, and we'll leave it at that. I thought that was Aberdeen. Oh, Probably there's always somewhere like that, isn't there, that everyone says exists. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to move yeah. on from me then. Well, <laughs> Don't re-offend anybody as else as on as this podcast. For some reason, as soon as you get to the point where they're starting to discuss dubious practices involving sheep, it's always a good point to move on. So, um, just quickly touching on... Um... I will also say, if you before you make fun of the Isle of Man, we're the first place in the British Isles to be COVID-free. I wasn't going to make fun of the so Isle of Man. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I wasn't going to make fun of the Isle of Man, honestly. Well, I, I was more of a warning to uh, to Shan and Ben, really. My favourite oh. film critic comes oh, from the Isle of Man. What have I, I, I can I, I can just I can just feel it coming on. I, I, I have these vibes anyway. Never mind. <laughs> so Shan, how have you been? I've been very well this week. I haven't done much in the leap this week, um, because I've been too busy at work. Um in the real existence I have been what have I been doing? Nothing much, really, because it's been a bit frustrating because we've got all these places we want to go and there's no point going there because nothing was open. So we're very pleased to hear about the easing of the lockdown next week so we can actually go to the places that we wanted to go at and actually have something to eat. Always useful. So, yeah, I haven't really done much, really. Um, the car's been stuck. Oh, yes, we did. Sorry. One, one, our dog car died this week. Uh, it failed its MOT, and although fixing the MOT was relatively inexpensive, uh, a couple mm-hmm. hundred quid, it needed like a thousand pounds worth of work on it, and it, that was ne- that was about what the car was worth, to be honest. But we used it so little, it was yeah. like just no point spending the money to fix it because it's just not going to be used. So it, off it to went the scrapyard with it then. Off to the scrapyard, and Mrs. Sham was a bit sad about it because it was kind of. We, it did us two four-week tours around Europe and all the sort of stuff like that. So we had some good times in it, and it did very well. Um, but it was just wary. It was just got old, really. So, uh, so we're, we're waiting. So we're waiting for news on the Cybertruck. Oh, is that is that the next target? Is it you want the Cybertruck? Mrs. Shan wants the Cybertruck. P- pardon. Mrs. Shan wants the Cybertruck. Oh, okay. Is she a fan of Luna Jetman? No, no, it was, it was the fact she can drive it along and just, like, not care about whatever goes on near it. It just treats it like a Grand Theft Auto, I think, is what she's after. All right, so it's basically it's like driving through um, through London in a, in a Humvee. Cause... Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> 
but also, also the, the other thing she the other thing that appeals to her about it is that she knows I I'll um I won't moan at her for like scratching it or denting it because she can't. And though when I pointed out that actually it might not pass the Euro pedestrian laws because it's basically solid armor plate and pedestrians don't do very well against two ton. Um cars with oh, solid okay. armor plate so it might not be legal in europe and um her comment to that was well we better get out of europe quicker then so they can let this thing in and let me drive around in it so yeah okay oh yes so and i was like what gotta have pedestrian safety what if you were hit by one and the sort of comment was well if i'm hit if i'm hit by a cyber truck then it was my fault for being in the way of it so anyway they're a bit hard to miss, really. I mean, they certainly didn't miss with that brick, did they? I know, I know. But we should see that not after a couple of years, so we'll, the, the, the enthusiasm for it will probably die down by then. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, let's see what's been happening in the in the wonderful world up here. Um, we, we've been getting used to these roasting hot temperatures up here, and I've seen a lot of Mancunians begin to melt. This is it's quite funny. Um, and also, let's see, in the game and myself, uh, my alt is still uh, plugging away for Arissa. Um, you seem to be under a pressure from several organizations this week in Power Play, which is it adds that little bit of extra spice. Um, and the main character is still down in the Pleiades taking out um, Thargoid Scouts. And I must admit, I'm getting pretty hacked off with it, but I've got to keep on plugging because I'm I'm fine. I'm crawling my way to that final elite rank. And uh, yeah, that's that's really been about it. The usual sort of work and and uh, <laughs> work and play. So let's go and see what has been happening in the development news this week. Well, now with. Uh, with Will Flanagan moving on, um, obviously a new community manager has uh, taken his place. Now, I apologize in advance. Everybody knows uh, what will probably be coming, but Arthur Tolmy uh, is going to be the new lead community manager. Now, I do believe he's going to be doing more than just elite, uh, but he he is an elite player. Apparently, he's played the game on the Xbox One since it launched on the Xbox One. Um, he has uh, a, a most memorable exploration and uh, he's got a very memorable exploration event which um, you can find in the uh, new lead community manager um, thread and on the forums. Um, does seem to be uh, a bit of a fan of sci-fi as well. So He's played Fallout 76, Sea of Thieves, but his favourite of all time does seem to be XCOM 2, which I, I can agree with that one. If it ever gets you, you, its hooks into you, is an absolute pain. In fact, I still lose to um, people over the internet on a Monday night quite frequently to it. See, um, I, like, I like XCOM, but not for the reasons you may like XCOM. Oh, this, this is interesting. Why do you like XCOM? Because I take great delight in sending NPCs on suicide missions and not having oh, of course. 
Of course. So basically, you basically send in as many rookies as you can, and it doesn't. Well, hang on. The problem is you only get six of them. Well, yeah, it's sure, but it's, it's, it's Darwinian, isn't it? In computer games, it's kind of like if they if they survive the first mission, you know, they're obviously worthy of the um my time. Ah. Uh-huh. So do you always have a couple of cannon, uh, at least one cannon fodder, um, in your squad when you launch it? Well, just one. Oh, more than one. Well, I'm, I'm assuming after several missions, you've got at least three or four veterans that you that you want to keep alive. Nope. Nope. Oh, okay, fair enough. You should you should play Zergus on StarCraft too. I mean, that's all about sending units to their death. Yeah. Um, oh, he's also a, a fan of uh, Warhammer 40k. Um, apparently, his his favorite legion is the Space Wolves. For all those who are into the uh, the Black Library, so yes, <laughs> I must admit I'm still about a third of a way through XCOM 2. Um, it, it's a case of not having the time because I know if I start a game, I will blink, and before I know it, it will be a silly o'clock time in the morning, and I don't know where my the rest of my life has gone. But, uh, oh. Sorry, I did. I did think of a game. I was I was playing Fallout um, on the Tesla. They, they released a Fallout Shelter game. Oh right, on the te- what on the screen on the Tesla? Yes. Right. I've never played that. So that kept me going for ages. Well, but, I, I uh, hope I hope that was when you were parked up and not while you were driving. No, it won't, it won't let you do that when you're driving. Unfortunately, it will let you watch Disney Plus on the web browser, but. When you're going along, I do. But Ben, anyway. you ben did you say that you've just got a triple elite? I didn't. Commander Venter from the Twitch chat did. Oh, did he? Oh, yes. right. Got you. Well, you know, congratulations, Commander Venter, because basically I'm a bit behind you. <laughs> yes. But then again, it's, it's CQC elite we've got to go for next. <laughs> Someone worked out. I think it was last year. It may well have improved now with the with the fix that went in with the carriers. But someone worked out that it would take you two years of playing six to eight hours per day to get CQC Elite based on current game rates. Wow! So I'm guessing nobody has got CQC Elite. Oh, musketeer! No musketeer. Yep. Is oh, people the... have. Only one, or no? Well, there's no, 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 there's a few. Because this is when it when it took off, people played it lots and lots and lots, and of course got the um, got got the title relatively quickly. But it went through a bit of a um, a slump, didn't it, for a couple of years? So yes, and it, until the, the right of games, yeah, until until the CQC Discord came along, it it really did die a death. Uh, but we'll we'll be touching on that later on. Um, so, yes, he normally flies uh, Arthur, back to our uh, newly community manager, normally flies an ASP, but he is thinking about uh, moving up to a chieftain. Um, he will also be on this Thursday's live stream if anybody's interested. So you can all tune in, then basically ask him what the heck did he think he was doing uh, tackling this one. Uh, other news includes, uh, well, obviously, Fleet Carriers Update Patch 1. Um, now, this was this happened last Thursday. The servers were down for an hour, hour and a half. 
And uh, yes, in loads and loads of um, fixes for fleet carriers. But unfortunately, one of the problems was it does seem that it has screwed up um, some paint jobs. And Frontier are aware that the fact that it, this patch has screwed up paint jobs a bit and are investigating. So we'll probably have a patch too before we know it. Um, does it, anybody else have any The patch also to... fixed the load, well, nerfed, however you want to describe it, the yield for subsurface mining of low temperature diamonds. So instead of doing, you know, instead of, get, instead of maybe getting 25, 30 low temperature diamonds off of a single asteroid, mm. you maybe get about 20 or so. Yeah, is that the, is that the new subsurface mining that they put? That's in? subsurface mining, yes. Yeah, the, you know the one thing that nobody ever wanted to do because it never paid out. That's the one. Yeah, and then all of a sudden after this patch, everybody wanted to do it. Oh, everyone wanted to do it for a wee while after fleet carriers, and then Frontier were like, "Yeah, a little bit too much there. Let's dial it back a wee bit." Mm -hmm. Was uh, there, was there anything still else? very profitable? Yeah. Um, oh, yes, yeah, still very profitable. Was there anything else in the fleet carriers patch that uh, caught people's eye? It was mostly the mining stuff that I was paying attention to. Uh, yeah, that's mining I've been doing the past, past couple of weeks. I was a bit nonplussed with the patch, but I'm sure we'll come on to the reasons why that is in our main topic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm beginning, and far be it for me to preempt all that, but I can tell you I'll probably be on your side for most of it in this one for once, Jan. <laughs> Um, I'll just get back on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce and Stephen, uh, you know, that's Stephen. Um, they were on the, the Thursday Twitch chat stream. There were no hits, uh, hints about Raxler, no hints about Odyssey or anything else dev news-wise. Um, so it was basically the usual, let's have a look at all these screenshots and just basically talking about background things in the game. So, um, did anybody else see that stream? Yeah, I did. It was it was a fun, entertaining stream, but as you say, oh, yeah. no, no was, information. Yeah, no information. I'm not um, saying that the, the stream wasn't entertaining. It was entertaining. It's just from our point of view, we were all sort of there going, oh, we want, we want info. Yeah. You, you've teased um, us with this teaser. and The only yeah. thing I would add to that, and we'll be coming to it in a wee bit, was they did they were encouraging people to maybe go and help the dark wheel in their experiment but we'll be covering that in a bit later mm, yes. right um well let's move on to the operation at uh, the in-game events which have been happening this week um operation ida um they are working on hayashi orbital this week in hip 9141 i think that one's almost complete, so they'll probably be moving on to another one quite quickly. Um, <laughs> unless the Thargoids pull their finger out and come back with another wave, then I think before Odyssey comes out, we will have all stations repaired at this rate. Well, probably, yeah. No, you've gone off and fucked that up, Colin, haven't you? We're going right. to get attacked now tomorrow. Just because oh, you said so. that. I hope so. <laughs> because it'll give our next the anti Xeno initiative. See, good, good segue there. They've got a, they've got absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> There's no new Thargoid attacks, apart from the usual stuff of the Pleiades and the Witchhead Nebula. Um, so you know that's where I am, grinding rank. Um, as far as power play is concerned, the top three 
powers have remained unchanged this week. Unchanged this week. Um, as I said before, Arisa seems to be under a little extra pressure from other uh, organizations um, and could actually have a couple of systems from turmoil this week. Now, this one is actually quite interesting. CQC. I had a chat with some of the people in the CQC Discord this week, and it does appear that since the new option to launch CQC from the comms panel has appeared, um, it's been a lot easier to find matches. And on top of that, CQC is a lot busier than it than it, than it has been for quite a while. Um, they've said that the wait times are now down from half an hour, which is a real worst case scenario, uh, to just a couple of minutes. Um, there does seem to be um, a little bit of uh, occasional issues accessing the CQC lobby, a couple of crash outs, um, but those do seem to be far few and far between. So the usual request that if you do get these crash outs, please report the issues using the issue tracker uh, and make Frontier uh, take notice, because otherwise they'll just ignore it again. <laughs> now, um, the Dark Wheel. Now this is this is uh, Kai Zen's little little community project, isn't it? It's fair to say. That is very fair to say. Yes. Yep. Um, now, they've got the dark wheel to about 69% and LFT 926. Uh, they've had a bit of loss with BGS shenanigans, which has caused them to lose to a minor factor, uh, minor faction in, uh, in 926. Uh, and that's been replaced by a new faction, which has cost them 5% because it just popped in. Um, how do you think this is all going? I'm, there are a lot of people who are saying... Uh, that the Dark Wheel just will not be able to ever expand anywhere. And it's it's already proven that wrong by the True. fact that they're they're upping themselves in like in LFT ninety six and it looks like they'll be expanding out of there this next coming the next coming sort of tick. Um yeah, I think I... one thing we need to give a we need to give a shout out though to the player faction in LFT ninety six who are sympathetic to the Dark Wheels experiment. And are quite happy to stay at the bottom of that system's league tables. Right. Um, so that's that's really nice of those guys. Uh, what do you know? What the faction is? No, I don't. Unfortunately, the CIA. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is it? Is it? Is it really? Yeah the the, okay. the acronym for the the acronym for them is the CIA. Um, hang on, let me see if I could find the real name for them. Uh, yeah. I was going to go off and look on Elite BGS or something like that. Uh, Kaizen said it's a collection of independent agents. Uh, oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. Uh, well, um, we, we all seven to you all, yep. Commanders. Um, yeah, the one reason, that, the reason that I knew that the Dark Wheel couldn't expand was in the old days when it didn't actually have a playable base. The Dark, and so it would never work, um, leave, um, it would never leave Shinatra Desra because as soon as you allied with the Dark Wheel, you became hostile to the Pilots Federation. Yeah, and then they kicked you out of the they kicked yeah. you out of Shinatra Desra. And you know, you couldn't dock anywhere in Shinatra yes. Desra. But then they put a city, a landable city in uh, Shinatra Desra, which is owned by the Dark Wheel. And as soon as that happened, you can land there instead. So that's when the BGS stuff kicks in again. And it, it does seem that there weren't any specific restrictions to stop the Dark Wheel from leaving. Maybe. 
the whole point was that it wasn't supposed to leave. Or maybe it was always meant to be able to leave and to be able to do stuff. And a certain development company, whose name we won't mention, maybe just cocked up and buggered things up so that they couldn't actually expand. I've True. also got the feeling that there is, as far as the mechanics are concerned, there's nothing. There's going to be nothing special about the Dark Wheel. Certainly, expanding it into wars, just like any other faction. And Frontier, there's probably somebody at Frontier sitting there thinking, why did it take so long for a group to organize to do this? Because for the longest time, you couldn't. Yeah. Well, but, that, but you, you have been able to for an awful long time. Because... Well, the, the beginning of Horizons, basically. Is from, yeah. From so... About the first year when people were actually looking into all this stuff. And of course, there is actually one player faction in Shinra to Desra, which probably expanded there before they limited expanding into permit locked systems it's called uh, los chupacabras which means literally the goat suckers um which actually stems from an old it stems from an old um an old legend i think a south american legend about uh some goats some demon that would come out in the middle of the night and drain all your goats of blood um wasn't there a Phineas and Ferb episode about that? There was uh, also an X-Files episode, wasn't there? I was going to say, there has to be an X-Files episode about something like somebody sucking goats dry of blood. It's a Mexican yes. legend. Mexican, well, South American, North American then. <laughs> so hang on a second, yes. is, that with, is that with the vampire bats actually? The real vampire bats actually are? Because I do know there's a species of bat species... Yes, vampire. That. Yes, the vampire bats. They they do that. What they um, they got the fangs that punch a hole through the skin of the animal or person, and they then let they lick the blood up, and their saliva then acts as a coagulant, which heals it up again. But they're also very they're also a very common carrier of rabies, so yes. they're not not nice. Hmm. Yeah, ra- rabies is, uh, if you look up the uh, symptoms and progression of the disease, it is something that you wouldn't want to wish on your very worst enemy. It's really nasty. Even worse rabies, than being a vampire. Well, the thing about rabies is once symptoms has developed, it's incurable and almost in- inevitably fatal. So it's, that's why it's very key. And it's not a nice death either. No, no, it's not, no. So that's why if you suspect you've been bitten by an animal with rabies, you have to get the vaccine. And the vaccine is actually quite painful as well, because I believe it's administered into the stomach. Well, on that uplifting note, um, this initiative was actually mentioned on Thursday's live stream, uh, and uh, people were kind of encouraged to get on board. They didn't make any official comments on whether or not they'll have any results, but it's a community-driven content, which is is the kind of thing that community managers love. So, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I was feeling a bit queasy. <laughs> and and it's not. It's not just to add to that community thing. It's not just that. If you're looking for a goal to have in the game, the BGS is quite a good one because there's there's quite. Once you get into it, especially when you start. Well, especially with us, because we have interactions with power play as well, even though we don't power play ourselves. <laughs> there's all sorts of horse trading and stuff that goes on behind the scenes so and it's actually quite a fun way of giving purpose to your existence in the game yeah and and that's what i found with with power play 
it's it's one of these things which you've got to do in a group, and if that group is very well organized, uh, and there's kind of some kind of structure to it, and it it does add to the game immeasurably because you know you have a purpose, and you're not just there going we wonder what to do next, which is the one problem I do have with this game is when I hit that, what do I want to do next? And I find myself at a bit of a loss. But <clears throat> enough of that. Moving on, um, we have, well, actually, something interesting came through the store, didn't it? Ben, do you want to take this? They're oh so pretty and shiny, yes. So front Frontier have actually released some ship skins that I actually quite like. I've not bought any yet, but I, I'm I'm tempted. Uh, they, the other day they went off and released the Black Osiris shipskins, which did. are very, you know, they're very, very good looking. Um, they've got them for the Aspect Explorer, the Cobra Mark III, Crate Mark II, Crate Phantom, the Python, and the Viper Mark III. Yeah, um, if they really wanted to make the money, they would have done one. They're very Stargate SG-1, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, with the name like Osiris, it, it does. It's definitely got a feeling of the, of the Egyptian stuff as well. Yeah, and then the original Battlestar Galactica, because that was yeah. all based on Egyptian stuff. Um, only thing is, though, I'm kind of holding on for either an Anaconda or a Cutter one. Um, I think the Cutter or the Anaconda with this paint scheme would just look amazing. Awesome. I am. I am flying about my clipper at the moment. Turns yeah. out that once you engineer your clipper with the with um, the dirty drives and give it a little bit of shield reinforcement uh, the thing turns into an absolute thargoid slayer oh you're not meaning the panther clipper are you no not the, not that one that's what i did to my um my thargoid tissue collecting ship that's a that's a modded clipper i think i'll call it the poke and run that's kind of yeah, because I I can't believe that a large ship that big can get that fast. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Well, it has a higher mass for the hold than the Anaconda, doesn't it? I know, but it, you can get with that a bit. Make a good ramming ship. Oh, it does. It, it does. Actually, um, somebody tried to somebody tried to gank me in a uh, clipper in Baran back in the old Baran days. Uh-huh. And that was one tactic they used. I was in my cutter, and I they they had those what those like shotgun type uh, the frag cannons. They had those, and they also ran me a lot. Um, I did get his shields off, but I did have to run away in the end. Um, but yeah, it was a, and it was yeah. fast. It was it was it was quite it was quite interesting. Uh, and then we had a cat and mouse game, so he kept trying to follow. I didn't high wake out. I kept trying to low wake and lose him and we had a bit of a cat and mouse but anyway right well okay. yeah shenanigans had some fun <laughs> well, i've got I, I have got a a bone to pick here with both steven usher and uh kaizen uh they've both said no battlestar galactica was greek and that's true in in some of the mythology but if you looked in the original battlestar galactica which which i was referring to uh, a lot of the styling was based on egyptian and also on top of that, when they got to Cobol, they they actually they shot they shot on location uh, in the temples around Karnak in, in Egypt. So it depends on which reboot or reimagining you want. 
and and just to add to the um the conversation i believe the structure of the human civilization in Battlestar Galactica was based on uh, Mormonism. <laughs> yes, which when you find that out, you're there thinking, "Okay, <laughs> yes, it's it's." I must admit, the more that's that's one where I'm, I'm with Dave Gorman on that one. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, so, so I, I yes, I must admit, I will probably be tempted to get one of those for for my Asp Explorer. Um, what about anyone else? Yeah, I'd I'd want it for the cutter, really. Actually, I don't. I, I do have a crate. I have a crate mark too. But I've got I've got that rather nice snazzy, like sort of orange and yellow paint job, which looks really good on a crate. So I don't know. We'll see. It's a lavecon skin. Is that an orange? Because I quite like the Wavecon skin on crate. Yeah, no, this this one's like it's. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like red and orange kind of rectangles and stuff. Oh, is that one of the predators? Yeah, like I don't know. It might be. It's it's one of the sta- it's one of the standard ones. Um, the other thing is, I spent all my arcs on on my carrier, so that's got oh, more arcs. Right. Okay. I'm never really, sorry, Colin. I'm never really sure about the why they're called those skin predator because they're not exactly camouflaged are they oh no it's supposed to remind you of what the predator sees because you know that that predator vision that you get is all those kind of different colors that's what that's what those predator packs are supposed to remind you of it doesn't look you know what i would consider to be predator which is i guess just out of personal taste <laughs> so when you can land on water worlds and Dig your ship in the mud. It won't. You won't see anyone. Yeah, that'll be because I'm silent running, won't it? Oh dear. Right. Um, what we'll do is we will uh, take a short ad break, and we'll come back with our uh, main discussion for this evening. Attention, attention. Second technician, Chris Forrester, to the emergency air box on deck six. I repeat. Second technician Forrester to the emergency airlocks on deck six. Ah, technician Forrester, just the man, just the man. Now, we need you to get in the airlock. The what then? The airlock, Forrester, the airlock. The Remlock vendor is malfunctioning. I'm sure a quick clout with your trusty wrench will do the trick. <laughs> No time to dawdle. Come on, employ the month award in for you here. Just step this way and brilliant. Warning. Depressurization. Warning. Depressurization. Depressurization. Warning. Depressurization. Depressurization. Attention. Attention. Clear docking bay and launch rubbish pickup tug. I repeat, clear docking bay and launch rubbish pickup. Um, we've just had uh, some news that um, Colin has gone out to feed the Xeno bunny, and we believe it's been some sort of incident. Um, with it. Has anybody given him the holy hand grenade of Antioch? I don't know, but not. Um, last thing we knew, he had the bunny attached to his face. Oh God, this this is not going to go good. So, is and, it, and is it will... eggs as we speak? 
I don't know. I, I, if he denies it happening, then we'll know it's true, though. On the other hand, if he suddenly starts wanting, you know, a, a nice meal around a table with everybody, that's when you have to get worried. Well, we can't do that unless we're a meter apart now. So, is it a meter is it, apart? So are we, uh, sorry, go. Is it like a witch? You know, if he if he admits he's the Xeno Bunny, then he's a witch, and we must burn him. And if he doesn't admit he's a Xeno Bunny, then we have to throw him in a pond and see if he floats or something. Well, the Xeno Bunny has acid for blood. So, what else? How how do you detect acid? Milk. Uh, you throw milk over him because if well, you... I was going to say, maybe if we just cut his wrists and then let him bleed out and see if that melts the floor below him, then that'll prove whether or not he has acid for blood. That's a very good. So we have to get him to voluntarily. We have to voluntarily get him to agree to let us cut his wrists. Who says voluntarily? Fair point. Yeah, we don't. There's nothing. We don't need to do anything voluntary about is it, this. Is, it, is this like the the bathtub in Breaking Bad? I have to confess, I've never seen that. Um, well, isn't the isn't the Zeno Bunny blood even more? They they try to they try to dissolve a body in hydrofluoric acid, uh, and the acid eats through the bath, the bathtub, which then falls through the floor, along with the body part, <laughs> along with the along with the sort of gooey remains of a half dissolved body. Oh dear! It's 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 quite NSFL, so. Uh, yeah, don't don't watch that episode if you're having dinner. Stephen Usher is suggesting that we maybe try packing Colin in limestone. But uh, I, yeah, that, that that could work. That would work. Well, limestone's it's alkali, isn't it? So I thought the Xenobunny's blood was alkali because they were talking about an excess of calcium, and surely mm -hmm. calcium. Well, they were saying it's got acid basic. for urine. I thought it was caustic. I guess the test is to put a. Uh, a Mentos in his mouth because he like the <laughs> diet coat. Keep going, Chad. I want to see where you go with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just wondering if you, if you feed Colin Mentos and he's been infected with the Xeno Bunny, you know what would actually happen to him? He'll have good breath. Well, no, because you put a Mentos in a in a bottle of. Um, Soda, as you would call it in the states, or a, uh, a bottle of lemonade, or yeah. <laughs> are, are we going out live at the moment, guys? Yes, we are. Oh, so that's we cut we cut the advert break short deliberately so we could discuss you going out with your holy hand grenade of Antioch to deal with the bunny <laughs> and having the Zeno bunny attached to your face. <laughs> the bunny is fine. The bunny is fluffy. Ah, this is what ah, I think. He's yes, nice. no, Colin, right, we, Colin. Burn him! He's a witch! Yeah, we, we <laughs> said if you denied, if you denied the Xeno Bunny getting you, then that was proof he had. It's not a gene stealer, it's a nice little fluffy bunny. But if, huh? if you were a gene stealer, you'd say that. Uh, There's only one proof. We need to bleed him and test his blood, and we'll, we, can, we can find out from that. It's the only way to be sure. Uh, definitely. Yeah, other than or nuking from orbit, because that's the only other way to be sure. Well, we, we can at least nu nuke Manchester from orbit. I don't suppose anyone would know. Says the guy living in Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just be glad you're not in Glasgow. Otherwise. <laughs> um, I, prefer, I prefer my old Ouija town to anywhere else. Thank you very much. 
But that might be me with the uh, old rose tinted specs. Rose tinted spectacles. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, should should we leave alien um, life forms alone now? We can do. Ben, don't stop interfering with alien life forms, Ben. <laughs> stop molesting them. Well, yeah, I'm not Captain Kirk. Steve, Stephen Usher has just put something in chat about the Pingu and Thing remake. Stephen, PM me the link to that. I want to see what the hell you're talking about. And I'll share it for everybody else. Hmm. And was anybody else worried or felt slightly had confused feelings about the gender-swapped Captain Kirk for, uh, photo? Because no. I don't believe Shat had. <laughs> the only thing I remember about Kirk and things like there was an advert back in years ago was it UK Power or something like that I think it was anyway oh dear it, this, this, it, it sees what happens I, I, I do apologise to all our listeners it does seem that I disappear and then for some reason I either cannot reconnect thanks to Virgin Media or um, they, they, they just carry on without me and uh, yes it, it, things do seem to go a bit Thomas the, ta- the Tank Engine to Tangent Town um, when it's not around. Anyway, <laughs> shall we discuss our main subject this week? Yes, let's. Thank you. Right. This week, we thought we'd focus on uh, something which uh, Shan brought up a little bit um, last week. Um Effectively, with the low-temperature diamonds being mined um, within an inch of their lives, it does make mean that an awful lot of people have got incredibly rich. But it does mean that um, it does feel that you know you start off in your sidewinder, you go you go mining, and before you know it, you're in a conda, which kind of I don't know about anybody else, but it feels like that defeats the game for me a little so do we need an economy reset let's let's start off with uh, with shan this one no because you penalize the three people left in the game who haven't <laughs> actually mined um it's difficult because the the credits you get always used to be an enabler but now, if you like, they've turned into an objective. Um, so it's always very difficult to take things away from a player. It doesn't really matter what it is, because if you reset their progress, they get very grumpy. Um, so I don't think it should be completely reset. But I would, if they want to try and negate the effect of the, the mining and stuff like that, probably they should... Uh, Deduct a million credits per ton mined, uh-huh. um, because you know if you sold a uh, LTD for one point six million or void opals for uh, a lot of money, you still would be in profit a million credits per ton mined deduction. You still make a fair whack. You yeah. just wouldn't be able to make the forty, fifty, sixty million per rock. As you could now, uh, but I, I guess it it depends on how seriously Frontier take the economy of the game. Um, if they if they're quite happy for 
the payouts to be as they have been, then they don't really need to do anything. Um, and you could also argue that if there was going to be a reset, it should have been turn, done two years ago before the Void Opal thing took off. Very true. I mean, it did take a while for people to realize that Void Opals paid that much, but then once the news came out, everybody went Void Opal, myself included, because I wanted a T10. But the, the, does it? Yeah, but the main point that I'm, I'm trying to make is the way that things are at the moment, if a new player comes in, they come in, um, they've they've read the wikis and suddenly realized, right, that's the way to get the, all the money in the world mine, so that they mine up as quickly as possible, um, get to an anaconda and think, right, that's it, I've completed the game. It's a, do you do you feel that there there should be some kind of gatekeeping on that kind of that kind of progression? There should be, but what would it what would that be? Um, I mean, my 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 moral objection to how mining is is its maximum reward for minimum risk, and because it is the the, the delta between that and any other way of making money almost means the only way to play the game to get any credit, which is enabler, is to mine. So exploration, yeah. combat, trading, all the rich variety of gameplay that people have is just completely swamped by shooting at rocks. And I just find the whole situation sad because the game is a lot more than just shooting rocks. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, I know they put an awful lot of effort into the deep core mining to make it interesting, but I must admit, it's—I must admit—I think I'm beginning to agree with you a little bit on this one, Chan. Um, anybody else? Ah, Mac. Yes, gold rushes. Uh, generally, this is about gold rushes. There should—I think—they should always. Well, actually, there's kind of two points I've got here. I think there should always be a gold rush in the game. The trouble with mining, it's it's been going on for so long. It's not so much a gold rush these days as a gold saunter. Uh, it's been like when they put void opals in. Uh, it's been a long time anyway. And yeah. mining has been the thing for so long. But they've got this good they've got this BGS system, etc. They've got a way of I think the gold rushes should be basically self-nerfing. Once you have satisfied the galactic demand for low-temperature diamonds, the price should just naturally keep going down until it's not worth doing anymore. Um, but the back-end system can detect that the gold rush is open and spawn a new one, which does something else. So you get different activities that become gold rushes. So... Perhaps mining dies out, and then you know the BGS notices this, and so it spawns a new gold rush. Say, passenger missions—they were a gold rush one time, or long-distance smuggling—that was one of the old gold rushes, or yeah. uh, some kind of combat goal, or whatever. So it can it can almost you know, almost like spawning a mini uh, automatic community goal, perhaps. Um, have a way have a way of the BGS auto nerfing gold rushes that have gone on for more than a certain you know basically once you've satiated the demand for whatever it is whether it be 
passengers being taken to a certain place or low temperature diamonds or void opals or whatever or pirates being shot down or whatever so but you make sure there is some kind of gold rush going on somewhere and it's that it is a rush that you feel some if you want to if you want to take part in it make a money hand over fist in this one you have you there's some sense of urgency that you get to do it before it peters out um and so it's always a rush and so and there'll be people who will part of the gameplay will be you know i like looking for the gold rush it's like finding the next gold rush because of course eventually somebody finds it and they'll get in all the third party tools and then all the everybody else will show up but there's some pride in being the person who managed to discover the gold rush through whatever means you know they they follow the clues in you know bgs states or whatever 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 mechanism you put into to cause them to spawn the 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 other my second point about gold rushes is, is it means you know because everybody shoots up to anaconda really quickly and they miss out on quite a lot of the enjoyment of working your way through the medium ships which are quite good fun to fly so you go you go straight from you you get a python to mining or something and that's about it well you know that's about all you do in the in the in the intermediate stage so you've got your anaconda then you mine with it and then you're done um but certainly i found all the i mean i was i stayed my main ship for the longest time as a carbon mark three back in the 1.0 days when it was really difficult to make any sort of money at all and i, I had fun i still have a carbon mark three because I, I i just remember the fun i had in it i take it out for a spin every so often and i i'll take it into i've engineered it a bit i'll take it into like a has res or whatever just to just to relive the old cover mark three days and all that and i think the, the trouble is with the this this kind of gold saunter of mining is yeah people yeah play it players naturally they'll they'll go online they'll, they'll they'll google how to make money in elite dangerous they'll see the gold the 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 mining thing they'll they'll mine for a couple of hours they'll get their big ship and they'll never have enjoyed all the other activities so i think if if Gold rushes are to be a intentional gold rushes are to be a permanent fixture because the mining one was very intentional. They said at the time that, yeah, this is intentional that Void Opal sold it for this much, yada, yada, yada. They just didn't put the self nerfing mechanism in until like a year and a half later. And it's still not there for LTDs, really. Um, sorry, can I just jump in a second? Cause sure. I thought, was that, sorry, you were, I was just going to say, uh, was anyone else going to jump in? Sorry, or am I? Well, I was just coming to a natural point where I was going to jump it. Jump. Okay, go on then. Um, but I think it's a a little bit by the point. Um, I think at this point we do have to. I have to say that there used to be an issue. There used to be the on-demand uh, factor in the in the markets used to used to seem to have a stronger effect. So as soon as the demand for a particular commodity was met, the you know the price would absolutely plummet. That does seem to have completely gone, as far as I'm concerned. Um, just to bring uh, a couple of things up up to speed before we move on to Atrus, um, uh, DJ uh, Wiley, Space Hero, um, has said that uh, on the Loose Screws podcast or hillbilly redneck radio as i like to call them um they had uh, a couple of the uh the fdev people on 
saying that they were aware that the mining credit uh, is in balance, balance and it's something actively thinking about how to balance it. In addition, we've got uh, uh, Prime Bitstorm. Uh, he's also said that he thinks that this ship has sailed a long time ago and the policy in the game is to get people to have a um, power trip. There isn't any balance anymore and it's just mining all the way. So HS first and then Shan, if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, to kind of carry on with what Mac was saying, like skipping all the way to the biggest ship in the game, like which everyone, you know, when, when I started playing, I came in around the start of Horizons. And the payouts, the big gold rush, at least when I joined on, was, I think, passenger missions at the time. If it wasn't the Guardian, uh, no, the Guardian Ruins came later. Um, but one of the things I kind of miss about those early days, especially with credits not being in such high demand, was that progression to upgrading your ship to that next level of FSD to go that little bit further, or buying that you know nicer set of thrusters, or buying the next ship up working your way like i still remember when i bought my first python and i thought oh my god now i've really made it and you know you kind of have that sense of achievement and it's not very quickly it's not very quickly achieved it's just you you progress to it more naturally but at the same time i can understand where some players are like oh well you know i don't have as much time to devote to this and i want to have some sign of progress so you know the faster i can earn credits the better um, but I can see that Shan is ready to go, and I'm kind of done with my point, so let him go. Shan, unleash. <laughs> that sounds like um, Avengers. Anyway. Uh, anyway. It sounds like Gladiators. On my first whistle, you will go first, Shan. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I'm a bit flabbergasted, actually, by the response on the podcast saying we're looking at it. I mean, any, I'm going to be a bit pointed here, but any any games master or manager worth their salt would say this is out of kilter, this is wrong, this is imbalances, all these things. We need to do something about it now, and now was two years ago. And the the, the fix is relatively simple because we talked about all these BGS stuff and tweaking the demand stuff. That's great. There are there are fixes. But why not just cap the maximum amount per ton? I don't know. Divide the maximum sale price for low temperature diamonds to seventeen um, k or something like that. Just cap it. Doesn't need because then it all takes care of itself. It should have been nerfed two years ago, and it's quite telling, isn't it, that players who have gone and brought another account or even reset their account say the best part of elite is when you're first starting and you've got the progression. Yes, I'll agree with that. And that's that's telling, isn't it? I mean, surely someone at Frontier should have gone, hang on a minute, this is completely out of kilter. We need to do something desperate to stop the game completely trashing itself, economy, progression, and all the other stuff-wise, and they didn't. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'm definitely agreeing with you on that one. Ben? Yeah, I'm just going to, I mean, I remember back in the day when all this were fields and all that kind of stuff, I remember the having to actually make a decision because my bank balance was so tight about whether I upgraded my frameshift drive, my power plant, or my uh, distributor. 
And I think Matt's completely right there that nowadays you just roll your face over the keyboard and you've got an A-rated Sidewinder. <laughs> Go off and roll your face over the keyboard again. You've got an A-rated Cobra. Roll your face over the keyboard again. You've got an A-rated Anaconda. And that is a hell of a shame. It really is. Yeah. Um, it, it does feel... Yeah. I, I, I have no... Normally I play devil's advocate or I, I try and put over the frontier point of view on this one. But um, I've, I've got nothing. I'm, I am looking at this and thinking... Um, it, I know that they've put the, the low-temperature diamonds in for a way for people to get their fleet carriers or get to, to the top level of the game as quickly as possible. Yeah, but it should, be, it should have been taken out after the fleet carrier patch was done. Like, okay, we've given people a good few months to get their billions, and if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Now it's back to working as normal. I mean, Beyond was two years ago, and that's when the whole thing mm. started. And one of the points about carriers is they are a vanity item or they are a player for the, you know, I think for rich players. How many thousands are there now in, in the game? Over, over 8,000. According to Inara, there's more than 8,000. But however, that doesn't take into account the amount that have been decommissioned lately. I have noticed that there's been a little, quite a few decommissioned carriers suddenly appearing up. And that's just my personal um, observation. Um, I don't have any official news. It's just that anecdotal evidence. Anecdote. That's that's what we want to say. So, but that makes a lot of sense that you know, people will come in, get the fleet carrier, try it out for a couple of weeks, and then go, okay, thank you very much, decommission, get me money back, move on. Yeah, I wonder if that was because of the mining nerf. I doubt it, to be honest, because uh, the mining systems are still overflowing with fleet carriers. Anyway, are we wanting to let Atrus dive in? Yes, I was just about to say Atrus. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so when Beyond came out and that mining update happened, being mining is one of my main activities in the game, and I was delighted when we got the updates and we suddenly made it profitable because I still remember very fondly the days where mining still paid peanuts relative to everything mm. else. It was probably the least lucrative profession and when it changed, we really noticed a change in the community where, you know, we had a lot of people who suddenly weren't mi- who weren't miners originally suddenly saying, this is the best way for me to earn cash, so I'm a miner now. And then there was all the gold rushes for the Void Opals. And it was interesting to see the community change in that direction going from, oh, well, if you really want to earn some cash, you've got to go either do combat or um, when it, the exploration updates came out where they updated the value of exploration data, a lot of people were doing the road to riches to earn their cash. Yeah, now, but, that's, that's another thing that annoyed me is the fact that um, there wasn't a kind of on-demand mechanic for the road to riches because yeah. everybody is scanning the same things and getting vast amounts of credit and you would have thought that, no, we've got that data already. We don't want it well, anymore. It should be a lot less. Well, yeah, it's either don't pay for the same data or sell it at a, you know, have it only be available at a reduced rate. You know, don't don't give it the full value of it, like the first scan kind of value. Well, so maybe I don't know, have it or something like that. But at the same time, seeing the exorbitant price of fleet care, which is five billion credits, which for someone like me, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Nor do I have the desire for it. But I'm still happy to see those things in games. But I think there should have been more of a barrier getting to a carrier. Like 
you know, you did need to maybe have an elite status in, in one of the categories, which probably even with the mining rush kind of defeats the purpose because you could have gone to trade elite in a day. Yeah, but that might be a bit, of, a bit of a thing. Yeah, it's just hard to say what is the right way to go about this now because the moment you start telling people you can't earn money this quickly anymore uh, and this fast, everyone's going to start complaining that you're taking away everything from me. And, you know, you're no longer making this game available to casual players. Yeah. Um, Snowmonk has, has mentioned that a fleet carrier should have been something like triple elite. So, I, I mean, I've always thought there's a bit of an argument. Maybe some of the ships should have been ranked. We'll come back to that. Shan? Yeah, I, well, I was going to respond to the triple elite comment, but also um, about the, the the carriers. I mean, they're the in thing at the moment because they're new and they're shiny, and I'm not really surprised lots are being decommissioned, to be honest, because people probably got carried away, spent the money, and thought, oh, they're not really so, doing, they're not really as fun as I thought they'd be. So, so you mean they got carried away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I I just don't know why it's taken them so long or even thing like that because it has completely negated any other form of gameplay in terms of getting credits and even because um, I remember when I was first I think I got an ASP I think at the end of the Gamma period uh, and I was so happy I I played and played and played and got this ASP and. It was a real achievement to get the ASP where most people were flying around in a Cobra. And now, you know, my, my third account, that went from zero to a billion credits and trade elite within about eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Mac, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember getting my, my first ASP. I got that. That was the proceeds from the Lou Wars. I don't really remember the Lou War. The first kind of big, well, actually, it's about kind of that second biggish player event. Um, the community goals around the Lou Wars paid for my ASP and to A rate as well. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. But um, the 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 other th the other thing about mining and the risk, you think you you got a hold full of LTDs worth one point six million each. There should be every single pirate in the galaxy, every single NPC, and not not the crappy ones who try and shoot you down in a cutter in their sidewinder. I mean, the nasty engineered pirate lords in third lances with the four uh, vultures following should be after you if you've got a hole full of LTDs. And the, the the other thing is, you'll note a lot of these mining systems. Buran was low security. This the current the new Buran is anarchy. It should be absolutely swarming with really high-level pirates because of the money that's being made, which would add uh, the risk elements. So, yeah, you can mine, but you're going to have to have a combat mining ship, and you're going to have to be fighting elite-engineered NPCs from time to time if you want to get your haul back to uh, wherever the cell system is. Um, although I suppose people can bypass that by hitching a ride in a carrier, but that gives that also gives carrier owners a, a raise on death row as well that they can. Uh, maybe, maybe a frontier. We're hoping the players would jump in and play that role. 
Yeah, but the easy way to avoid that is just to play in solo PG. Yeah. Uh, but even even then, you know, because I always I mined in Baran in open. I think I had a grand total of three hostile encounters with other players, of which only two actually opened fire, uh, and of which zero posed any actual risk. Um, so, well, actually, one the the guy in the the guy in the clipper actually did pose a bit of a risk because he was actually his 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 ramming tactic was was surprised me in its effectiveness and i i was a bit i was a bit um i was a bit complacent with him really um i should have i should have um tried to avoid his rams but i thought oh, i've got loads of it i've got loads of engineered shields he can ram me all he likes whoops shields offline um but yeah uh but yes uh that's the other thing they could do is where player interest um Things like blockade. Back in the early days, and when community goals were a new thing, we did a blockade in BD plus whatever it was, where they were building the FNS Nevermore, and that was fine in open. I mean, we had lots of fun. It was still when small ship combat was a big thing because it was all people could afford for for combat ships for things like Cobras and, and Vipers and all that. Um, but of course, a lot of players just bypassed us by flying in PG or solo. But one thing the BGS could take into account is the amount of hostile player activity and in solo and pg born extra hostile npcs if there's hostile stuff going on in open um to kind of make sure that that uh yeah we, we got some super profitable thing happening and all players are attracted it doesn't matter what mode they do it in they they do have they do face that they do have that they do have to take that risk to get that reward um I mentioned this on Reddit a while back, and somebody was—it was very controversial with on the Care Bears. But, um, but yeah, that 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 does need to be uh, gold rushes. I think gold rush. There should always be a some kind of gold rush in the game, but there should all—it should also be risky to do. It should attract all the whatever mode you're playing in. If you're in open, then perhaps real players. If you're in PG or solo, then then like the engineered NPCs, but something of that order of magnitude of profitability should also bring the dregs of the galaxy to to be on your tail. I mean, you right. should be hounded if you got a hold full of LTDs. I'm sorry, you should be hounded by uh, pirates. Yeah, good point, Shan. Yeah, just going from on what was said, um, I think in many ways not leaving the mining issue to one side, the balance of the game is now irrevoc irrevocably changed. I mean, you talk about gold rushes. The first gold rush that I remember was rare goods in Ghana, you know, where yep. rare goods would spawn oh, and, you yeah. just, and you could do that. And then it was the... Um, seeking, yeah, and then it was Seeking Luxury, wasn't it, where you just went out to the space station with some bits and these type nines, took them off, he paid them and used it back to the station. So he did that loads and loads of times. Then, as you say, there was um, the smuggling and then there was passenger missions. So there's always been a gold rush. And in any MMO, there's always a gold rush of some, of some description. But usually the game developer and people who run the game stomp on it pretty quickly. And, and you mentioned about NPCs and stuff like coming after you if you've got a whole load of LTD. I completely agree. Absolutely. However, engineering has now made it so even if you have a mining ship, 
you can still be any NPC in the game because of engineering. If they went back and revisited the loadouts of pirates to make them more like PvP builds, then I would start to think, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a reasonably good way of doing it. But at the moment, nah, it's, it's too far gone, I think, to fix. Okay. Uh, back to Ben. I'm just thinking, actually, with what Mac was saying about... You remember back in the day, you used to have the the safe mining places, and then you had low-res and has-res yeah. bubbles. And that's where supposedly your your hotspots used to be for mining. <clears throat> but yes. then then they went off and introduced the void opal hotspot, the low temperature diamond hotspot, the borrowlite hotspot, whatever. Yes. And I'm just wondering because I've been in a void I've been in a triple low temperature diamond hotspot. The only time I ever see somebody is when I first log into the game again, and then it's a you have a random chance of a random NPC showing up. Yes, and that may be a miner. It may be a pretty shit, to be honest. Um, NPC pirate, or nothing might show up at all. You know, you just don't know. Whereas if you go into a Hazres, there are new ships spawning in constantly at to get you. And I'm just thinking that a Hazres, sorry, a a hotspot in a dangerous system, maybe that should be automatically a Hazres as well as the hotspot. Yeah. Um, I... But yeah, you know, obviously a Hazres uh, a hotspot in a safe system, maybe that's a high a high sec hotspot. So you've got police people patrolling it yeah i, I, I mean do, would you uh, agree that if you have a, a triple um hot spot like like we've we spotted that means triple the threat that you would well, have it for should also be, i totally agree it should also be triple the, the threat but at the moment that would still be at most three three npcs maybe come in at you and mm. it should be waves of npcs swarming at you all the chuffing time, like you get if you were trying to mine in a, in a has res. Yeah, that does, because actually, everyone's a boring. When you jumped in, you'd get one, two, maybe even three ships would come at you when you first went in. If, yeah. if, if they'd scanned you and went away, they never came back. If you killed them, nothing else came. Yep. And once you got rid of them, you, were, you could just go there for hours without any bothering you. Yeah, and you can, you can, it's boring. It would also be a good um, a good driver for cooperative play because uh, player with player t style play is often a lot of fun in Elite. Mm -hmm. And if the hotspots were like Hazreses, um, you'd have somebody mining, but then you'd get perhaps a couple of your friends to come along to uh, you know, fly combat missions, you know, to keep the, keep the pirates off you. Yeah, they run combat patrols yeah. while you do your mining. That would be awesome. I mean, if you remember way back when in the Alpha, that was that was fantastic. People were running escort for um, other players. What are you thinking? Ethics and credits. Yeah, but yeah, um, Atris. 
I can kind of comment on the player with player thing because um, with the Intergalactic Mining Union, we used to run mining nights in Hazrezit, but there were so many of the miners and we'd all be in T10s and Anacondas <laughs> that we had enough firepower between ourselves to be yeah. able to defend ourselves. And usually there'd be about 12 of us in the same instance in mining. So you can only imagine with like on average about six limpets a ship and three mining lasers per ship and then all these fragments flying about on the same rock that your frame rates would drop. But the good news is that we, you know, we did a lot of cooperative play with that where we were able to both run defense and mine together and actually make a good profit off it as a wing. But we don't really, like th those events are not as frequent anymore uh, because a lot of people are doing core mining, which isn't exactly a group activity, uh, even though you can do it now in a wing. But at the same time, it's just, I think a lot of people, the moment that you start adding a more combat element to it, are going to feel like you're forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. Or for the lone person who doesn't want to go into open or into a private group, they just want to stay in solo mode and just have NPCs to deal with. So why can't they argue. do low temperature mining in a high sex system? Why do they have to do it in Nubaran? The yields are higher when you're in a Hazrez. So with stop min-maxing and if you want to play it safe, play it safe, but you accept the cost of that. Yeah, yeah that's, but that's the thing. This, You're asking people to be rational. Yeah, this has always been the problem with min-maxing. Um, it's one of the, the issues that we've had in power play with people maxing out their cargoes, and then uh, basically when they've played in open, they've been uh, quite easily taken down by uh, legitimate play, and then they go off and, and do the, the shipping in solo, uh, which... It, it's a whole nother thing. It, it's all down. It's all down to the game balance, and I think at the moment, I, I, I think we're all agreeing it's a it's, it's out of whack. The, this yeah. so-called risk yeah. reward thing doesn't seem to to gel. And without sounding like you know grumpy old men, it's far too easy these days. <laughs> In my day. Yeah, exactly. But that's the and, same with any MMO, isn't it, Colin? It is to to a degree, but at the moment, I, th I think we've lost a lot more than we've gained over the last uh, sort of six months. I mean, I know they've been concentrating on the new player experience, but I do feel that, okay, they concentrated on the first couple of hours, but then they didn't concentrate on the next 20 to 30 hours and yeah Shan yeah I was going to agree with you Colin um, bloody but hell the, but no, what, it, no, if you think about it the, 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 the role of a developer is two separate roles in game, game development there's the developing the game adding content and all that kind of good stuff and then there's the if you like the management of the ongoing game and the two are completely separate disciplines. And it just feels as though they've put all their effort into development of the content of the game and just completely forgot that actually the game needs managing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Jean-Min Welch, I do apologize. <laughs> I have to say I apologize after I attempt anybody's name. So if I got that wrong. You're not the only one. Um, I think it might be Jermaine Welch. Jermaine Welch. Or maybe Welsh. <laughs> well, moving on. Um, as much as I appreciate the LTD 
rush to gain the fleet carriers. The ED is an economy game. Uh, the easier to gain credits, the lesser credit is valued. And FC is less of an achievement if it can be gained in a week or in three days of mining, as it suddenly is. Ships mean less. And then he goes on, maybe at this point, remove solo to return balance to that threat system. Um, I, I would disagree with that because there are people who just don't want to play with other people. And unfortunately, that's... That's the way of the game, but I do agree with everybody else that maybe solo or private groups need to be a little bit more dangerous. Atris, I mean, with addressing his point, with Jermaine's point with regards to ED being an economy game and it's easy to gain credits, and the less a credit is valued, you know, it really does make ships meaningless now because you can just afford the rebuys. It's no longer the panic moment where you're just leaving the station with your brand new Cobra Mark III. You have barely enough for one rebuy in the hopes that if you complete this mission and you don't die, you'll have enough money for two rebuys. Um, but would it be easier to maybe just throw a zero at the end of all the ship costs now? I'm going to get flacked for this. I know. <laughs> throw a zero at the end of all the current ship costs to start trying to address some kind of rebounds. Make everything a Including little bit more Including the fleet expensive. carriers. Oh my Ooh. god. <laughs> 50 billion, Jesus, yeah. If you really yeah. want to piss off the player base, that's how you do it. Yeah. Fine with me. Oh, <laughs> says, my, says Scrooge McDuck over there. Sham, yes. Yeah, I as I said, it's, it's, it's difficult. I know we'll probably do this another show with how we actually normalize it. But, it, yeah, um, regarding ships and stuff. See, I always regarded ships as a tool, not as game progression. Because each ship generally has their own purpose. You know, it could be a combat ship, it could be a trading ship, exploration, or general purpose. And that's the way they balance the ship, is they give them a, um, a profession if you like. I mean, there are some anomalies like the Anaconda. Um, but I don't think they ever started out to be game progression. They were a tool. And oh, you I mean think, each ship fits a certain role? Well, an archetype of a role. Because if you, if you remember back to discussions as to why the Corvette, the Ferdinand, uh, the, uh, the Viper, the um, Vulture, don't have very long jump ranges is because the archetype for combat ship is it doesn't jump very far. So they have an archetype and they try to keep the ships within these certain archetypes. So that's why I say that they were tools, but now I think it was started from the players and the frontier responded to the way the players looked at it. Is the players looked at ships as game progression, and then Frontier started call, calling them the big three or the big four, which implies their progression. Yeah. So, uh, it, I think in some ways the players are responsible for the way ships are viewed, because in other games you get bigger armor, you get better weapons, etc. That's game progression, and I think players superimpose their experience in other games onto the ships in Elite, so they then became progression. Oh, oh! I, you know what? I actually like this idea, and I, I'll probably get shot down for this. But VNTTR has suggested: How about you lose all your engineers' modules permanently when you die? Ooh, imagine Ooh. the salt. 
to be honest, I love the idea. It makes I... no sense to me. How the hell you've got to go off and spend all this shit trying to get your your dirty dries, blah, blah, blah. And then you can just suddenly 3D print the same damn thing? What the hell? I, know, I must admit, uh, VNTTR, as, as much as I, I know how much salt that will cause on the forum, I, love it. I, I, I do. I yeah. really like that. And I'd be more provocative. Oh, okay then. Okay. Shadow wants to kill our NPCs again. Shadow okay. wants to go plus one. Die too many times and you get reduced in rank from the Pilots Federation because you're obviously not worthy. <laughs> Would you say that that would happen if it's within a certain period? So if you die three times within, say, a week, then you, you lose rank. But if you die three times in, say, three months, you're all right. Yeah, it would reset. Because if you think about it logically, you know, if someone was, was elite and in-game, if you're, if you're elite, you're supposed to be one of the most feared pilots in the galaxy. Mm. If you get blown up and have to reject three times in a week, then people would start to think you're the pilot equivalent of Frank Spencer, wouldn't you? You know, so you shouldn't get... that depend? You know, you get blown up trying to fly through the docking ring. Fair enough. You get shot down while trying to take on three cyclops in a, in a row or something like that. Then, yeah, maybe fair play to you. <laughs> oh, that that just does open up a whole new. Horrible level of complication. Um, Mac, do you want the final point on this for, uh, before we? Yes. Do all, all I have to say this this is it's kind of amazing that this is this is like um, it's like in it's like in Ghostbusters. You know when um, when everything's going wrong and they've turned off the grid. It's like like uh, Venkman says, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, Shan and Colin agreeing with each other, mass hysteria. I just can't believe that Colin <laughs> and Shan are agreeing with each other. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 has some which must be portentous of some kind of some kind of I, perhaps Tharg the Mighty will come crashing through the the door next or something something's going to happen. This, this is, is just unprecedented. Are you the gatekeeper? Yeah, or the keymaster? Who was the keymaster? The keymaster was the the gatekeeper was um, gatekeeper was Sigourney Weaver, and then the. If you think about the, the respect of anatomy, it makes sense. Yes. Yeah, indeed it does. <laughs> and we're back to last week's conversation. Oh, yes. Colin, wrap this up before we wrap something yes, else up. The last thing I want to have to do is, I, I mean, I feel actually I should apologize last for last week of leaving you lo- alone because I have now listened to last week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only apologize to all our listeners. I, I, I didn't believe that 9GP would, would cause some. Did we have any complaints? <laughs> I'm sure I can find some if I look. <laughs> no, and, and according to scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. Which is true. Completely <laughs> and utterly true. In fact, they're sending up a new probe just to find out. Oh dear! This uh, time you're to blame. <laughs> hot kettle black, there, Colin. Hey, I am just, I am just stating a scientific fact, and if you and your dirty little minds want to run with it, that's up to you. Even though I know Ventura is going to put that right on the end of the thing, anyway. Right. Um, we're going to wrap that up there. There's an awful lot to talk about this. Um, 
So we will be coming back to this in a future episode. Um, so moving on to Community Corner. Uh, now, <laughs> now, I saw this and I couldn't believe it, but the Boon Labs have explained how to shoot an SRV into space. Um, ben, I do believe you discovered this one. Now, we actually, Norman, would you like to play it? Uh, and that'll give us about two or three minutes of of recovering our voices as well. <coughs> Hello, people on the other side of the internet. This experiment required a group of scientists to perform. Meet the actors. A man with a very purple SRV. A woman with a camera. A man with a cargo hold full of poop. And another man with a big cannon on his roof. It all started with a few second video clip of a SRV jumping against the shield of a spaceship and bouncing off it. That seemed unusual and therefore we decided we have to investigate how this happens. The base is a cannon with the experimental force shell effect on it. This usually just pushes away a target you hit in addition to the damage that is caused by being hit by a cannonball. The often praised realistic physics engine of Elite Dangerous gets into a bit of trouble when you apply such a shot to a landed spaceship. For reasons that are totally understandable for gameplay, it refuses to move the ship. On the other hand, the engine wants to be realistic enough to not just dump the energy. First law of thermodynamics, I guess. So now the model has issues. Where should it put this energy? For the time being, it just seems to store it in the ship, or its shields, or something, until it finds something useful to do with it. A casually bypassing SRV might be just the thing to unload this excess energy to. So be careful with parked spaceships, you SRV drivers. Your habit of jumping onto those ships will never be the same again once enough people know about this effect. And not only the energy is stored as we figured out over time. The complete vector of force is, and it even accumulates. So when you land the ship on the edge of a cliff, you can apply the shots from below. And if you put in enough shots, well, goodbye Alec. We actually shot the SRV into orbit, where all its systems stopped working. It just drifted on and would probably have done so forever if the driver did not decide to self-destruct at some point, roughly 50 kilometers up in the air or not air, as the planet was without atmosphere. But this transfer of force shell energy is not only possible to SRVs. If you ever wanted to build a poop cannon, if? Who am I kidding here? So the poop cannon you always wanted to build in the game is finally here. See tons of bio-waste being shot into the valley below. And that's it for today. If you like the science the Boon Labs are doing, thumb up this video. Subscribe to the channel and do not click the bell icon. Honestly, who wants push notifications for new videos? That is annoying. And it's not like we provide any time-critical information here. But whatever, you're old enough. Just click wherever you feel like clicking. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant video there by the Boon Labs. Um, and yeah, I want a poop cannon and I want to... I love the idea of just shooting Alec Turner into, into orbit. Um, doesn't he get shot to orbit like every other week, though? It is kind of his, his raison d'etre. Or doing st silly things in, in SRVs is definitely Alec Turner's raison d'etre. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. Definitely.
Um, so, well, moving on from um, from obviously orbital SRVs, which <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just seeing Alex Turner's <laughs> SRV explode in my mind. It's just funny. Um, we have two. Uh, two publications to, to highlight this week. Uh, we have, obviously, SAG-I issue 27, which is coming out. Um, we will be able to supply the link in the podcast. And also, it does have its audio component as well. Um, in addition, we also have the its sister publication, Parallel Worlds number 10, that's been released this week as well. Again, it also has most of its article in pod, articles in podcast form. So, um, moving on from there, Flight Assist is a new fan-made weekly podcast, which is hosted by Commanders Psychit and Mal for the Win. They went live on Monday. Um, we'll be interviewing Commanders uh, from across the Elite Dangerous community, so head to uh, Flight Assist Podcast, or one word, .com for more info, and uh, the first one went out yesterday. So it does seem that all of a sudden we've got a massive flurry of Elite Dangerous podcasts suddenly appearing. Um, and I think that makes my count up to five. Uh, oh, no, six, when you include uh, the guard frequency, who are kind of half Elite Dangerous, half Star Citizen. Okay, I'm going purely by memory. So guard frequency, flight assist, yep. Elite Week... Uh, loose screws. Yep. Um, half an orbital radio. Yeah. Yeah. Ourselves. Oh yeah, I forgot about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't count radio sidewinder because they they do constant. Yeah, uh, they're twenty four seven streaming. Now there used to be broadcast Cobra. Um, yep, but the, the, I think they're fairly defunct now. Yeah, although I do, I have heard rumours that there, there's an, an alternative version of it on SoundCloud. I think okay. people are scared to tell me because it's it's basically they think I'm a care bear and they're you're a care bear. We're all care. We're all care bears. Not, since, all care bears. not since I've started playing power play. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. Once once I see a, an enemy player in power play, it's supposed to be gloves off. That's it. You're supposed to know that you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have we missed uh, any? Have we missed anything? Oh, uh, Elita cast the Spanish one. Oh yes. Sorry, yes. I should, yeah. let me rephrase this. This is the sixth English podcast that we know of. Yeah, I was about to say, um, if you're counting foreign language, I think uh, there's going to be um, a Polish one on Hutton Orbital, too. Hutton <laughs> Orbital is a foreign language. Hutton Orbital translated into <laughs> Polish? No, um, uh, was it Commander Rootstadt? Um, one of the modern... Oh, yeah. Um, is Wing Two Sars? Oh. The Wing Two Stars, yes. Do they yeah. have a podcast as well? Do they? Yeah, they they're they're going to be doing an hour podcast on Hot and Orbital. Yeah. I don't remember the full details of it, but I just remember Vanteon uh, <laughs> advertising it. Okay, uh, Elite uh, Kaizen is also saying the German one. I'm not quite sure what that one is, but apparently there may there may there might be a German podcast as well. All right, I I think we'll have to do a whole compilation of all. All other voices that are in Elite Dangerous at the moment, because well, I don't think we could do all other voices because then then you have to add in all the streamers and things as well. Uh, and there's there's an awful lot of streamers too, which is awesome. Yes. You know, the Elite Dangerous content creators community is amazing and great and lovely. Is anyone else thinking they're just going to need to find more time in the week now to listen to things? 
I, yeah. I don't have enough time as it is. That, that's my problem. I, I well, since elite wheat split from loose screws, it's 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 kind of made things a little bit more difficult on the old podcatcher. But um, yeah. Uh, well, moving on. Uh, does anybody have any other community news news that they would like to to highlight before I move on to um, the rest of things? Operation Ida had an announcement earlier during the show that's quite important, um, which is CMM composites are one of the hardest uh, commodities to get to repair a station. And they actually found a gold mine of them. Um, And they're sending out several carriers uh, to go be filled up over the next several weeks. So they need people to haul for them. The easiest location is Eldest Folly in... Oh, God, I want to sound like Colin (laughs) trying to read this. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no. Do you have this in the community corner as well, please? Okay, uh, to read it. Yeah, actually, I'm going to just copy and paste it for Colin there because he's probably going to get closer <laughs> to the real thing. Bless you. <laughs> oh, you sons. <laughs> ah, that's, I know that system. Autohenetsi. <laughs> 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 it's actually an EI. Well, it's kind of an EIC space, it's embedded in EIC space, and we've strenuously tried not to expand into Autohenetsi because we want it to remain in anarchy, because it's where we go to uh, clean up all our um, misdemeanors at the, uh, the, 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 bro- the whatever it's called, the brokers, or whatever it's called there. Yeah, it's um, it, yeah, it's, a, it's a system close to my heart. Because, yes. In fact, I need to do another trip out there because my my crate is. I I had a I had a an evening doing BGS stuff. And my I I basically spent an evening committing petty crime, and I need to expunge my record. So I need to go to I think it's Gold Terminals. It's, it's the it's the Orbis station there. I need to so go and visit it. Auto Hennessy. Auto Hennessy. Yes, there yeah. you go. Okay. See, I I managed it. Well done. Wow. It's because you've heard it pronounced first. <laughs> Only because I've heard it. I would hate to attempt it without hearing it first. So, That's yeah. my problem. <laughs> they, they, it's, um, uh, Mac, you might be able to confirm. It's a small base, so you need um, I medium. Think, big I as... think there's a, big, there's a big one in also. I, I'm pretty uh, sure that... Uh, Ninja's there's... saying there is a, it's a small base. Oh, the actual place where you need to get your... Uh, uh, Aldous Folly is... A small base. Yeah, we, we, we always go to the, we always go to the big station because that's where the uh, the the legal services are. Um, so I've not been to. Well, Aldous is folly, I think. Yeah, no, I don't think so I've ever been there. It's, it's a, it's a case of pack up your pythons because that's that's going to be the best mm. best ship to to haul that stuff out in, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Um, well, uh, thanks, breaking, Atrus. Breaking news there. Thank you, breaking, Atrus. Breaking news. And also, other breaking news, we've, we've just heard from the BBC that um, they have discovered black neutron stars. As if neutron stars aren't scary and dangerous enough. Yeah. Although yeah. they're matter, still better Colin? than White Dwarf. Do they, do they matter? Uh, well, they have a lot yes, of matter. They, they do matter. They're not antimatter, which is a bit of a shame. Because black neutron stars matter. Oh, oh my God. Really? I, I'm guessing a black neutron star is oh. essentially just a black dwarf, but only more so. 
Um, it's, it's a, just a it's... cold neutron star because the neutron stars radiate, I think, because the the energy left over from when they were actually they had nuclear fusion at their hearts, um, and it's just the the remaining energy that's radiating so, away. The spinning which, balls of, which, of mass, of which there's an awful lot. Uh, uh, but I heard it, it was theorized that black dwarfs wouldn't exist until almost the heat death of the universe. So yeah, that's certainly going to be a if they've yeah. actually discovered one. Yep, they've said that the, the, it, this discovery changes astronomy as we know it. it so. Yeah, it's going to be a big thing because they thought they thought it would take so long for such an object to radiate its remaining energy that basically we wouldn't see one yet. The universe they, wasn't old enough. Unless it's left over from a previous iteration. <laughs> so yeah, like so like Instead of it being code. 16 billion years, it's like 20, we go off and find out that this black neutron star is something like 30 billion years old or something. Yeah, maybe it's like someone leaving code behind in one of their functions. Or something. Yeah, they, they say black holes are where, where God accidentally divided by zero. Mm. Uh, this is getting very No Man's Sky. Oh dear, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Right. Um... Before I, I close out the show, does anybody have any final business they'd like to discuss just for, for a minute or two? Uh, I suppose, should we say something about virtual LaveCon? Yes, I think that may be an idea. Um, you go, Ben. In that case, then I will say virtual LaveCon is happening on the Saturday the 4th and Sunday the 5th of July. Don't have final times for it yet, but... The will uh, we don't know, don't know exactly what's happening. There's definitely going to be an old fogies lave radio. There's going to be a us young farts lave radio. Um, there will be a I believe there's going to be a hot mobile radio in there. Uh, Stephen Usher is doing stuff. Docker. I'm pretty sure Dockers is in there. Yes, it is. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what else is in RPG, there. There's... To be honest, pardon. There's lots of RPG stuff. I think. Yeah, RPG stuff. Uh, we're talking. They're talking about having some kind of streamers panel. Um, hopefully, Frontier will show up, but we haven't got any words one way or other about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the schedule will be released this week or next week. Oh, Karen is hoping to get the schedule out on Friday, um, so we will find out about that. Hey Ben, just yeah, I know it's all P- all TDA, but are we? How will people be able to join, or in theory, virtual LaveCon? Will it be done via Discord or Zoom or Mixture? Or I believe, and this is where we really need Grant for this. Norman might be able to correct me if he's listening live. I believe that the equivalent of the main stage may be done on Zoom, uh, but there might well be live chatting either in our Discord or on TeamSpeak. I don't know yet. Um, I or right. uh, I think that's about right, but I have, haven't heard any confirmation of stuff at the moment, so it's um, uh, unknown at the moment. Okay, okay. The and thing we is, will be going, we'll be going out live on twitch.tv slash live radio and things like that, though. The thing is, though, Ben, um, if Colin appears on Zoom with bunny ears, we won't know if it's Zoom, or whether it's part of the Xenone bunny infection. Well, that is true. In FaceRig, which I've got working with Zoom, there is a bunny. 
There is a bunny. Should we? Should we? Yeah. Should, oh, I can't stream to call. I can't. If I could I, stream, I, I would stream at the moment, and I could I could go off and put my bunny ears on just for you, Colin. God, this is making me feel sick. So, <laughs> on on that note, we will move swiftly on. Um, we would like to hear from anybody who has ideas about how maybe the economy could be balanced. Um, drop us a line at info at leaveradio.com. Uh, extra uh, points. The more fault the ideas generate, the better yes, it is. Because we, we love the, the idea about losing the ship modules, the, the engineered modules when you die. Oh. And resetting pilot ranks as well. You know what? I think what we should do is we should have a competition to see how many suggestions we get to see how high we can make the salt map. Uh, winner announced at LaveCon? Oh, LaveCon? Winner announced at LaveCon. I, <laughs> I, think, I think you can make that salt mountain quite high. Remember when Frontier added to the patch notes um, mining salt from the community as one of the items? And yes. how much salt that item That was caused. so brilliant. I love that. <laughs> that was like so giving people ideas, though. We, you're supposed to keep your ideas to yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, which we mentioned earlier, they broadcast on a Thursday at uh, half past eight, uh, British summertime. Uh, you can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or just the audio at radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, you can check out the CQC Discord at discordme.elitedangerousCQC, or you could even just click on that um, item in the in the comms panel now. So we'd like to thank everybody who's twitched, uh, who has chipped in on the Twitch chat, uh, and uh, um, we'd also like to thank uh, our guest contributors today. I do believe we do have a... Um, Galnet News by Commander Wutherspoon coming up next. Yes, we do. Excellent. Thank you, Norman. Um, but that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up on facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at laveradio. Or you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. Uh, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Uh, do get in touch if you've got any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Um, Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at uh, half past eight uh, British summertime and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So uh, thanks to Mac, thanks to Atrus. Um, thanks to Ben uh, and to Shan. And special thanks goes to... Uh, Today's tech specialist, Norman, uh, or Commander Ventura, for all his hard work in the background. But until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. I think you're right, though, Colin. What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? Galnet News Digest, 23rd of June, 3306. We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, Tharg's open house. Getting rid of Alec. Don't call me Wendy. Tharg's open house. The Thargoids have heard about lockdown and they want to help. Until now, only commanders who go to the effort of collecting a Thargoid probe or sensor have been able to get into the mysterious Thargoid ground bases. Think of it as the price of admission to drive through the organic halls and marvel at the tall central chamber with an egg-covered roof and a mysterious machine in the middle. But now... The Thargoids have opened up their sights to all commanders, even those who can't afford the price of admission. The Thargoids recognise that times are hard and they want to do their bit to help. Commanders are invited to visit any Thargoid base and have a free tour. Please note, however, that the Galactic Orrery in active bases can only be activated by commanders who bring both a Thargoid probe and a Thargoid sensor. Links continue to be available at the venue as normal. Commanders who can afford to are invited to leave a tip for the Thargoid scavengers who maintain the venue on your behalf. Getting rid of Alec Cause of major irritation in more than 70 systems The Buckyball Racing Club is currently causing mayhem at five important engineers' bases. Landing at unsafe speeds, driving without due care and attention, and buzzing the tower when the pattern is full are just some of the dangerous activities they get involved in. The Buckyballers are also known to jump onto parked spaceships just for the LOLs, as they put it, without any thought about the damage they're doing to the paintwork. However, a secret video has now emerged about how the authorities, and particularly the engineers, plan to fight back. A research institute known as the Boon Labs has discovered that by firing a cannon that's had the force shell experimental effect applied to it at a part spaceship, the kinetic displacement energy 
is stored in the target ship's shields like a coiled spring. The next time an errant buckyballer tries to land their SRV on top, the conversion of potential energy to kinetic energy is, to say the least, spectacular. There are hopes that after a few weeks of lying in wait at strategic points around buckyball racetracks, a significant portion of the buckyball community will be left floating in space in their SRVs, unable to get down to a planet. Perhaps after 240 million years, one of these lucky buckyballers will win the trophy for the first circumnavigation of the entire galaxy in an SRV. Full details of this secret research project have been published by the research establishment known as the Boom Labs. Commanders are asked not to do anything to alert members of the Buckyball Racing Club to this fiendish trap. Don't call me Wendy. A sad message has been received at a new unregistered comms beacon in the WNL system in Colonia. Home to Ed's 38 and currently the scene of a dispute between the biscuit munchers and the dastardly interlopers of New Simbad, the beacon appears to be a valedictory message from a commander, JCMW38, who implores his fellow commanders to guard the biscuits. In related news, Little Will Flanagan has been promoted to product manager for unspecified new things, and Captain Arthur Beard Tolmy has taken his place as the head of spin at the Pilots' Federation, in charge of Stephen, Bruce and Tim. So it seems pretty unlikely now that the League of Skaven will ever make it into the galaxy. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Oscar Seven. 